Welcome to Carlos's Blend, where the secret ingredient to success, business, taxes, and life are brewed into every episode. I got my brew here. I'm your host, Carlos Samaniego, ready to serve you some insights that you can't afford to miss. Today, I have a very special guest. Um, today's guest is not only a close friend of mine, um, but a mentor of mine. His name is Eric Green. Uh, and Eric, I got you got a hell of a resume, so I'm going to read this thing. Eric is the managing partner of Green and Sklar's, uh, which has offices in Connecticut and New York. Eric focuses, Eric's um, law firm practices on civil and criminal tax representation, representation before the Department of Justice, Tax Division, IRS, and the State Department of Revenue Services. He's also the founder of the Tax Rep Network. You can see we both got it. Um, got the shirts here who coaches accountants, attorneys, CPAs, and EAs across the country on how to represent um, individuals um, that are dealing with tax problems and the host of the Tax Rep Network podcast. Uh, but most importantly, like I said, he's a friend. Um, I'm honored to be part of his um, coach, part of his program for the, the, this upcoming year, my second year as a trainer with him. So, and if you're watching this and you are a tax representative, um, you can actually get, and I got mine, so I got to show it off, Eric, my certified tax <laughs> representative certificate um, consultation with Eric. Welcome to the podcast, Eric. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, you know what? I've been really kind of looking forward to this call, Eric, because one thing I know about you, um, and I had mentioned it to our producer earlier, Eric knows more about tax um, representation than almost anybody that I know, um, and he has his ear to the ground. He's friends with a lot of senior tax uh, IRS officials, and um, he tends to find out things that are happening way before the general public does. Um, and luckily being part of his program, that means I tend to find out about it um, before most of the public. And today we want to talk about the upcoming tidal wave of collections that's happening with the IRS. Um, this is something that we've been talking about as members. And um, Eric, you know, I, I thought Eric would be the perfect person for this. So would you say the tidal wave of collections is coming, Eric? Yeah, I, I, th I think we're there. Um, at, at least it's ramping up. The um, his background, you and I both know, for during COVID, ostensibly to help taxpayers. What the IRS did is they, they put all the automated enforcement on hold. So those automated substitute for returns, the automated levy notices. Now, I say it supposedly to help taxpayers because it did help the government. When they went into shutdown, no one was answering the phones. It would have been a nightmare if people started to call who had gotten levied and now can't get to a human being. So that is now behind us. They had been talking about flipping the switch last June. We were facing a government shutdown over the budget. They were then going to start it on Labor Day. We faced another <laughs> budget shutdown. And again, the government doesn't want to start it and then end up with the government shutdown and taxpayers can't get to a human being. Well, that all changed on January 3rd. The, the switch is flipped. So for folks who have back balances, who I'm sure you've run into them too, you know, the government's not bugging me right now. They're leaving me alone. I know people say, well, maybe they forgot about me. Yeah. They didn't. <laughs> um, right. Um, you know, they've been kicking the can down the road. That's all now going to change. And what's going to be interesting 
is so we're getting a lot more calls. Um, those folks that the government could just levy immediately, right? They're still sending a refresher notice, which is a threat to levy, um, when in the hopes the taxpayers will pick up the phone and call. What's going to happen is you and I know people aren't going to do that, they're going to hope that they keep ignoring them. And then we're going to have, I think it's around three and a half million people could be levied right now. Wow. Is what they, I, I had, when I had the director of collection on Rocco Stecco, when I had him on the podcast, my podcast, I think that's the number he gave me. No kidding. Around 3.2 or something like that, that they could levy today. Uh, they've already had their final notices and all their appeal rights and everything else. These are the people that should have been levied and then COVID started and the whole thing went on ice. Right. So um, I think we're going to see a lot of people scrambling. You know, and it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because um, one of the things that we're we're watching the IRS doing is they just started sending levy notices on the 2022 tax debt, right? So the, that final levy notice, that CP 504, I've mentioned it many times in my yeah. email, my blog, which is that final notice of levy, which is causing a lot of people to panic. And Eric, I, I kind of want to get your insight on this because people are, I'm actually getting people that are calling me that got that letter. And it call you know, if you read that notice, it basically says, call us to set up an installment agreement, whatever it might be. And they'll call only to find out that they can't do that because they got a bunch of past due tax debt they got to deal with. Right. One guy said, they won't put me in an installment agreement until I pay the $55,000 in the past. So it almost forces them now to deal with all of it because you can't just deal with one year. The IRS... Um... Uh, just for folks listening, the IRS doesn't do things piecemeal. I, I've seen a lot of this. The folks will come in and say, look, I owe 50000 for 2015 through eighteen, And so what I want to do is I want to get into a payment plan on that, but I want to do an offer on that. That's not the way it works. It's kind of wrapped up all or nothing. The 2022, they weren't going to freeze. So in a weird way, that year has proceeded normally, right, for enforcement. And you have people who are in this sort of um, in the in this like feet in both worlds. They mm -hmm. are part of them is right now where it was up until last week, kind of frozen, whereas the other part was proceeding. And especially, you know, to call and just set up an agreement over the phone, you have to be below certain thresholds and be able to pay within a certain amount of time. There, yeah, there are a lot of people who are going to find out they're not eligible for that because of the older debt. There's not enough time on the statute or it puts them over the um, the minimum. Right, right. Yeah, it's just, um, it's really causing, uh, especially with, uh, Eric, you know, those serial people that owe every single year. Right. You know, it's just like one year after another year after another year. God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> and they're getting that one notice and they're thinking, oh, they just, they must have, uh, literally, I, uh, you get this. They must have forgot about the rest of it. All they're talking about is 22. No, they didn't forget about the rest of it. Yeah. So, so that makes sense. So what you're saying is that 22 is just proceeding as it normally would have. Right. Problem is we got to deal with all of it, not just the one year. Whatever that person has when they come in, it's got to be dealt with as one. It's one package. Right. Um, right. And so, uh, yeah, no, the you can't like, well, listen. They could go and pay off certain things and then proceed to do, uh, uh, um, you know, an, an installment or something like that. But whatever you work out with the IRS, it's one and it's all encompassing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, and, and what's interesting that with this, you know, and I remember I, I've done and you, um, you probably did it too, multiple podcasts or emails or pod, 
that last year, as you mentioned earlier, the IRS said June of last year, they're going to start collections. So literally when they were going to start collections, it literally got delayed one more time because of the possible government shutdown and all that good stuff. Correct. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now what's interesting. And I know in your training, when you're teaching tax professionals, um, how to deal with debt, tax debt, IRS debt, the one component a lot of people will tend to ignore, and so will clients, is the state part of it. Now, right. I, I've experienced with the state of California, and I've told this, state of California did not stop any type of collections during this pandemic thing. They, no, they, neither, they, neither did Connecticut. There you go. So, um, yeah. and one of the things you teach us is go deal with the state because the IRS, uh, yes, they're starting to ramp up. So you better get that on um, that state issue kind of resolved. Can you talk a little bit more about that concept that you teach? It, it, it is. It's interesting that to the person, the lay person, and I think it's just good PR, the IRS, everyone is afraid of. Okay. The truth of the matter is, and again, I have not dealt with every state, but I've dealt with California, Mass, Connecticut, New York, Florida, Illinois. The states almost inevitably are far worse than the IRS to deal with uh, for a number of reasons. One, Carlos, I'm sure you've spoken about, with the IRS, it's a formula, right? Reasonable collection potential. When someone meets with you and they do the consult with you, they probably walk away with a pretty good idea of what they can do. What are their options? State of Connecticut, there, there's, there, there, is, there are no guidelines. There is exactly. no financial formula. They literally, they wanna be paid now. Mm -hmm. um, uncollectible to the state is whether they can grab it or not, not whether you can pay. <laughs> exactly. And so what we find is we have the state of Connecticut that doesn't care who's ahead of them. They don't care what you can and cannot afford. So it, with them, it becomes a pitched battle of they want, they'll, they'll go out six months. Well, we need at least two years. We're not going to go two years. We want, you know, 12 months. And you end up in this kind of freewheeling negotiation with them for the best you can. Connecticut is also charging 1% a month statutory interest, like a credit card. Right. And they wrote the statute so it cannot be abated. The commissioner and our superior court cannot abate it. Mm. So um, from my reality, and I, I think the same is pretty much with California too. If I know when the client comes in, we're going to get stuck dealing with Connecticut, no matter what. Mm. And IRS follows a formula. If I can get to them before they file, this really only works if you can get them to them before they file. Right. There is a real strategy to get Connecticut in, deal with Connecticut or deal with California, whatever, um, both financially, right? Pay them down faster, the 1% interest. Um, they're psychotic. So let's just deal with them. And if you're a business owner, right? Business owner. State is easy. They'll just go pull your sales your sales tax permit. You're done. Done. You're you're, you're out of business that moment. In fact, when they have a hearing here, it's kind of similar to a summons at the with the IRS. You're told to show up and bring your sales tax permit with you because if you don't convince oh, really? them to leave you open, you're turning it in right then and there. Wow. Um. Yeah. They um. They 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 don't. They don't mess. They don't. They don't I, mess I, around. I, I, um, and, and I. I got a question, Eric, kind of because um, I, I don't know if other states do this. Like California, uh, we, we deal with a lot of non-filers, people who have not filed tax returns, whether it's a couple years or my most recent one, 18 years. Right. So 
And with California, you know, the IRS, normally the IRS can will file that substitute for return because yep. um, you didn't file a tax return. And they got third party sourcing information that says that you actually earned income, whether it's a W-2 1099. Now, California has this weird little thing that they will just create a return based on what they thought your occupation was, an occupational assessment, or you had a business license and they'll look up what the average income was for that business license and create an assessment for that. Do you, do, do you know of other states that do that or is that just a California thing? Well, so, you know, we actually did a program a couple of years ago at Mohegan Sun on uh, for the New England rep on information sharing. Okay. And what what was interesting is the IRS shares their information directly to the state. Right. The state will only share back upon request. Uh -huh. So and again, so this impacts a number of things. So if the government creates a substitute for return, I find the state of Connecticut picks up on it automatically. Right. And we have here statute. If they do that, you have 90 days to file the actual return or it is final. There is really? no reconsideration, none of that. Um, no. And so, oh, no, the state of Connecticut is um, <laughs> very difficult to deal with. That, that, that's even rougher than California, I believe. I don't think they do that. But um, yeah. um, wow, wow. But again, because most people think of the state second, when they come in, we often will focus on that first because if we can square them away first, then get the IRS filed, the IRS follows the rules of priority. So if, if, if California, you know, assessed first, they're going to let California get paid. So this is a way you can leverage the state to deal with the IRS. But what happens so often, they, by the time they get to you, they filed everything quickly, right? So the IRS is now in first position. The IRS says, well, we're in first position, so we get paid first, and here's your ability to pay. And I bet California comes in and says something along these lines, like Connecticut. We don't care if they're ahead of us. We want exactly. to get paid. Exactly. Exactly. And you brought some, th something up earlier. I wanted to bring it up in this conversation. I wrote a note here. Um, you know, I recently had clients that were um, gone through a divorce, separated, had their divorce, you know, the, the, the final documents of the divorce where the judge says, you spouse is responsible for all the IRS debt um, and the state debt. The other spouse is not responsible. Right. Give me your opinion on that, because it seems like when I tell people what the rule is, they don't yeah. believe me. I want you to hear from Eric Green, the tax attorney. What, is, what do they say? <laughs> there, is, there is a federal statute that if you file a joint return, there is joint and several liability. So the legal position is if you filed a joint return with your spouse, you are joint and severally liable. Your divorce agreement and, and a court cannot overrule the federal statute. Thank you short of going to the Supreme Court to have it deemed un unconstitutional, which it is, um, and, uh, meaning it's constitutional, you're going to lose. Right. And so what happens, what that paragraph is really good for is go sue your spouse in family court. Um, you know, now it's a factor the IRS will look at, but it is not binding. Right. Um, and yeah, no, um, I, I am here to back you up on that. Gotcha. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. I just had that conversation yesterday and they, they were just in total disbelief. That ain't, that is not possible. This is a judge that, yeah, yeah, it didn't work. Um, going into IRS enforcement actions, you know, now that the IRS has started this collection efforts um, and people are getting the warnings, 
what can the IRS do to somebody if they don't deal with their unfiled tax returns or their balance of dues? Well, if a notice of federal tax lien has not been filed, that will almost certainly start, they'll start so going out in an automated fashion. So the notices of lien will all, will all go out, to, again, for the government to protect its interests. Those folks that can get levied, if they don't pick up the phone, contact the government and start working out some sort of a deal, they're going to get levied. Usually it's the bank levies that happen first. Um, but after that will come, if they're a W-2 employee, it'll be the wage garnishments. Those are the simple things. In order to actually levy contractors you know, that might owe you money or receivables, that would have to get to a revenue officer who'd have to do an investigation to try to figure that out. So what I think you're going to see is the simple automated stuff. Uh, for the non-filers, if you're a W-2 employee, automated substitute for return. The lien notices we're already seeing. Um, levies, it'll be the bank levies that go first and the wages right behind it. The rest will have to filter out to what, what is a revenue officer, one of the collection folks in the field who can actually you know, pull up the taxpayer's credit report. And now they're trying to identify where there might be assets. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and I'm glad you brought that up, especially when it comes down to um, the business owners and what it, it would take an IRS revenue officer to do this. And this is a really important subject because there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast or self-employed small business owners. And during the pandemic, a lot of these individuals started deferring taxes, especially their payroll taxes. I just had one a couple of days, um, yesterday afternoon, had one. Yep. And when I told him the seriousness of dealing with past due payroll taxes, he was floored and didn't understand how serious that was. And, and I even told him, are you sure you haven't had a revenue officer reach out to you? And as he goes through all his unopened envelopes, bam, there it was. Revenue officer had issued a bank levy. Yep. How important is it to deal with those payroll taxes that haven't been paid? Well, a couple things. We're now out of the pandemic. I think it's pretty safe to say, even though it's still COVID is still with us, we're, we're, the pandemic aspect is over. So here's the issue. If you, if it's old payroll tax debt, like even the income tax debt, you... Honestly, you just want to deal with it. If you can, if you can't call the government and work it over the phone, go see Carlos, somebody like me, submit a financial, get into a payment plan. And the beautiful thing about the IRS is it's based on your ability to pay. Right. If you literally can't pay, now there are people whose lifestyles are going to take a kind of a, get a, get a, a little bit dinged. But um, well, listen, I live in Connecticut. We have people that live in Greenwich, Westport, towns you probably heard of. Dealing with them is always funny because they live it literally live in a different world. Mm -hmm. What what they view as sort of basic mainstay expenses, <laughs> things that you and I would never spend right. on. But um, and so the, the the goal of all this, the IRS doesn't want a levy to collect. They want you to pick up the phone and work out a deal with them. So the thing is to, to get on that. Now, if you're a current business owner and you can't pay the current taxes. You got a bit of a different issue. And the issue here is why can you not pay the payroll taxes? Mm -hmm. Because it's very possible, and you and I both know, 80% of small businesses will fail within the first five years. Right. Why? Because they're not, it, it, it's not a viable business. You know, people sit and they do some quick math, but they don't think about Department of Labor, right? The, um, um, you know, a workman's comp, on state unemployment, federal unemployment. 
um, you know, if you have to provide healthcare. And so when what we find is most entrepreneurs, where they go wrong is they re they really didn't have a good accountant. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so when they sat and they mapped this whole thing out on the back of the napkin in the bar with their friend and said, <laughs> gee, this is a no brainer. Why isn't everyone doing it? Well, guess what? There's a reason why everyone's not doing it because it might not be viable. So the key thing, if you can't pay your current and it goes for sales tax, sales tax or payroll tax, your your business model isn't working. So so the important thing is to sit with, honestly, I would grab a CPA or an EA and you have to sit and go through your numbers because it might be possible to change. You know, can you can you rework this to make it work? Right. Uh, or frankly, if it's not viable, you're better off shutting down. And, and you, I'm sure you've heard this. For those people listening, we'll, we'll tell people this and they get angry. Do, do they, does the IRS want me to shut down? Do they want me to lay off my employees? And I used to sit there trying to explain it. I'm to the point now where I don't care. And so, <laughs> and so what I'll say is that's exactly what they want. I'm, I'm glad we're communicating here. Right. And I said, here's why. Every pay period, you're stealing the government's money. You don't view it as stealing, but you withheld that money from your employees and you've taken it for your own purposes. So in all honesty, yes, they want you to shut this down, send all these people to go get jobs for the employers who will pay in the payroll taxes, and you should go get a job. Right. All right. Um, and that normally, I, I actually find we get farther now that I've taken more of the direct approach, but... You know, you, I didn't want to scare off the client and piss them off. And so I said, well, you know, we could try to work something out. You know, and, and I found, I think in a lot of cases early on, I kept businesses alive way longer than they should have been. Gotcha. I really, I really did. I don't know that I did the client a favor. Right. Yeah. You can tell by just looking at the numbers, it's just not a feasible business to sustain itself. Right. Question for you in your experience, what are the three most common mistakes people make? when dealing with IRS collections? One is actually trying to do it themselves. Um, offers and compromise. I mean, listen, if you owe 25,000 or less and you can just make a phone call, by all means, do it. Um, great. Uh, you know, you, you, don't have to, you don't need to hire us for that. Right. Um, and in fact, sometimes I'll tell them, here's the phone number, here's who you call, this is what you tell them. And they're like, you want me to come in? No. Do you want me to pay you? No. So yeah. it, it's actually so small, it's more of a pain in the neck. Right. When it comes to an offer, what's, what's fascinating to me is most tax professionals don't know how to calculate an offer. There are IRS offer specialists that don't know how to calculate an offer. Yes. And so this is where rather than trying to cheap um you really want to have a professional who understands what they're doing can actually provide strategy to you and can get you through this um in in a way that is in your best interest i think the next biggest thing honestly and it starts even before they get into tax debt is they actually don't have a good accountant and they're not or they're not utilizing their accountant the way they should Right. How many people who go to their accountant meet with them several times a year to review the financials? Almost none. None. Right. I got to tell you something. We, in our firm, monthly, the equity partners, one non-equity partner, and our, our in-house controller and the CPA, we review everything. Um, you know, first of all, we're holding other people's money. So the, that IOLTA accounting is, 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 you know, 
is has got to be nailed down tight. Um, but more than that, we can't make decisions if we don't really have a good cash flow, a cash analysis. Where are we? What do we have coming in? What expenses do we have going out? Um, so if you're not using your accountant in that way, you might think you're saving money. You're probably costing yourself a lot. And it actually was probably why you got into trouble. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know what, Eric? Um, um, I, I know you have another appointment coming up, and uh, this is a, a very serious topic. And, and I've told people multiple times, if you haven't dealt with the IRS, uh, with all the past due issues that you're dealing with, now's the time to be afraid. At least be afraid if you're not going to deal with it going forward. Right. Um, any last-minute tips for our... Um, either the tax accountant or uh, correction, the, the, the individual that has these past due tax problems, what would be your advice to them right now? <laughs> um, we don't, it's the same for both. If, if it were an accountant with clients or the clients themselves, um, don't wait for the government to find you get in now uh, for a couple of reasons. One, um, if you go in proactively, it's easier when you contact them then when it gets to a revenue officer who's now usually ticked off because you have been ignoring them. Uh, for the accountants who have clients with this, I would make them aware that um, automated enforcement is ramping up and they don't wanna find out about it when they go into their bank account one morning and all their checks have bounced because the money is gone. The Very other thing you and I both know, as this ramps up, getting through to a human being is gonna get more difficult. Mm -hmm. I, I think that I my, Word of the day for those folks who owe money is proactive. I would I would proactively get to a professional, call Carlos, call whoever, get working on this, reach out to the IRS. They'll put a hold on collections. They can work. They'll work with you because the goal is to get you set up and move you out of the inventory. Yeah. You know what? Amazing advice. And, and, and the, to wrap this up, I know with the amount of collection issues that are going to happen, there's only, we can only handle so many people. That's why Eric is on a mission to train tax representatives how to represent people. Um, so if you're a tax professional watching this program today, Eric, how do they reach out to you to kind of learn more about how to help taxpayers with tax problems? Oh, it's taxrepllc.com. Um, you can reach out to me or any of uh, the folks who are training people. You know, we have, we have some members that really have taken it to the next level. Carlos, and Patrick, we have, we, they're all on our website, reach out to any one of us. Um, and um, it's a great time to roll up your sleeves. One, it's a business opportunity, help your existing clients attract new clients, because I will tell you, for the CPAs and EAs, once you solve someone's tax problems, you've got a client for life. Exactly. Right. The other thing is, Carlos, you mentioned the uh, CTRC, the Certified Tax Representation yeah. Consultant designation. Yeah. What's weird is... <laughs> Our tax rep members reported back they got more tax work. I was like, well, that's weird. And so I, we did a follow-up. I'm like, why did you get more tax work? They said when they began using the designation and put that out there to their network, what happened is people would come in and they'd say, I don't have a tax problem, but if I do, I know you can handle it. <laughs> and and so, so it's a great time to add this to your practice from a business opportunity um, also, if there's no other reason to educate, even if the whole goal is I want to know what I'm doing and know I can send it to Carlos. You know, there are people who say, look, I don't really want to do this, but I also don't want to make it worse. 
So if I at least understand what's going on, I can be the advisor to my client. If it means let's go get a different advisor. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us and for all you guys that are watching. If you want to learn more about um, uh, my offer at, after every podcast, go pick up your free book, How to Make the IRS an Offer They Can't Refuse at taxdebtbook.com. Um, you get a free PDF version of that book. And again, Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Bye.